Yo, this is the Ancient Texan, Sunday afternoon, I think the last Sunday in October. Oh, I want to talk about my story of poverty, and it's probably very similar to a lot of other people who have this story, but we'll just call it my story. A little background, I was raised in El Paso. Um, my dad was a car mechanic. He made 250 an hour for 20 years in a row. Not so bad at the beginning of that 20 years, not so good at the end of it. Uh, my mom did babysitting for 50 cents an hour, sometimes uh, got a little more. And then she worked as a nurse's aide and got a dollar ten after my dad died. We were what was referred to as the working class poor. We work hard and don't have much. Oh, and that, I don't ever remember us not having enough food. In fact, I think we always did. But we're always aware that we were kind of on the edge. My mom would cook a turkey for a family of four. And we would, she would divide it up and would each get a good piece. And she would take something like the chicken wing. And the thing is we made a chicken last for two meals. Four people. We had um, we had this dish we called uh, meat and beans, which was hamburger meat and pinto beans. When we saw my mom cooking that, and we put it spread it over rice, but when we saw my mom cooking that, we knew we could ask a friend over. So we'd start asking. We have Edmundo over. Can Vernon come over and eat with us? Um, that was our meal that, you know, we could have a lot of. Um, my parents tried to adopt once. Uh, we lived in a 600 foot square house, two bedrooms, one bath, one kitchen, one living room. We later expanded the um, kitchen out to where the storage shed was. extra space. We had welfare people come in and my mom wanted to adopt a girl because she had two boys and both c-section and the doctor decided that she shouldn't have any more so tied her tubes off. That's kind of strange by today's standards. Well the lady that came in about the kid looked at our house and our income and all that and basically told us we couldn't afford another kid. Uh, she asked how my mom asked how the lady asked my mom how she'd feed him and she said well, we'll just divide the beans one more way. Um, and that that wasn't a smart aleck answer on my mom's part. That's kind of how uh, she looked at things. 
And, you know, kid probably missed out on a good home. My dad couldn't afford heart surgery, and if it had been a rich person, they just started putting, you know, cleaning out people's blood vessels and giving bypass, but rich people would have got it. My dad didn't. We applied for disability, and they said he had to wait six months, even though the doctor said his heart, he had had a heart attack, and see if he stayed disabled. My dad said, you know, at our situation in life, we can't go six months without money. And he pretty much said to me, I'm going to get, I know it's going to kill me, but I'm going to get up. And died shortly after that. I'm going to get up and go to work because it's what has to be done. So we always kind of live there on the edge, knowing that any little thing could tip us off the edge and would fall off the cliff. My parents grew up and lived through the Depression, and they carried their own poverty story. My dad especially, his dad died when he was three, and they were pretty well off. Uh, apparently my dad's dad had the first car in Tulsa. They had a grocery store. But when my dad dad died, they went from being okay to not being okay. And he was raised by sisters and told stories of how he ran the race in the fair once and he couldn't hang on to first. And he said several times, if I just had a little meat in my diet, I probably could have won. And it was kind of like, that was his poverty story. Well, how, how does that poverty story, you know, play out in real time? Oh, uh, I was charging my phone this morning when I realized it was a poverty story playing out again. I charged my phone all night. I picked it off the charger and was kind of, you know, thumbing through it as I uh, got my shower turned on and started undressing to get in the shower. And I was down to like 97%. Uh, and I put it back on the charger, even knowing that it's probably not good to push a phone up to 100%. That's the part that damages it and the more times you do it. Because I didn't want to run out during the middle of the day. And my phone, I just got a new phone, and it's great. It seldom gets down to 50%. So it's not a logic thing. Um, it's an emotional, it's the story I'm living out, the poverty story that's still with me. When I look at my weight, um, I think that's a poverty story in another another version of it. It's just like I'm eating sometimes not to be hungry. I'm eating for when I don't have something to eat. Um, I'm, I used to say that, you know, my body believes the buffalo will soon be gone. Uh, I think that's the poverty story playing out again. My mom used to tell us about cleaning off her plate, you know, and I'm sure a lot of kids got told this. You know, there's hungry children in Africa that would love to have your food. Except, I wonder how many had it as intense with, as my mom. My mom did not waste a crumb. Nothing 
got thrown away. We ate it in the next meal, or we, she ate it. Uh, but it got cleaned out. It, nothing went in the trash. The dog was lucky to get a bone. Uh, I can tell you a story about when I was growing up. And we got cap guns. I don't know if you knew what cap guns were, but get this little roll of tape and it would have a little gunpowder about every half inch or so and you'd put that roll of tape in a cap gun and as you pulled the trigger on the cap gun it would advance that tape and it would come under the hammer and it'd make a little pop a little spark well we would get my mom would buy us you know, six rolls, we'd each get six rolls, we each had our cap gun, and then we would um, run around playing cowboys and Indians, shooting at each other. Except I would save mine. My brother would go pop, 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 pop. So I don't know why he didn't get quite the same poverty story. But of course he would run out and I'd still be on my first roll. Of course now we couldn't play because he didn't have any cap, so I would loan him I'd give him a roll of my cap saying he would next time we got caps he'd owe me a roll of course that, that never worked out because he never had any extra caps but I wouldn't have known it then but now I wonder if that was part of my poverty story that I had to save this I couldn't enjoy it for fear that it was gonna I was gonna run out of caps uh, I started off early in life saving money like my mom did. Then I got a good job and started making money. My very first job in a smelter, um, I got a dollar an hour more than my dad who'd been working for 40 years. Um, I kind of went to the attitude that I'm going to make so much money that I don't have to worry about saving. I can just spend. And the future is going to be brighter and better and I'm going to make more and more money. Um, and life is going to be good. Well, I think that was just another version of the poverty story. I think that's the... will defeat the poverty story by making lots of money, working hard, uh, taking jobs. I switched jobs a lot to get higher pay, more money. That was all chasing or running from the poverty story, going overseas, uh, going on a lot of projects to make money. I think that's all the poverty stories. I hoard stuff that I think might help me make money someday consulting. Any book or project I've been on, any piece of information, paper, I hoard that because someday I might need it for a project to make money. Oh, now worry about my kids, which I think is kind of normal. Maybe it's just the degree I do it. I worry about their health care, what kind of food and car, and they're going to make it after I'm gone. I worry that I don't have the resources to help them out and solve all their problems. Uh, 
again, some of that's normal. I think the extent I do it to is probably my poverty story coming back around to bite me. Well, I don't know if this is enlightening to you, but this was a, I think is a good example of how we are in our stories and how we live our stories out. And until we can see those stories and that's what we're doing, um, it's real hard to change it. It's real hard to change it even when you see it. I've started seeing my stories quite a while ago, but you have to substitute in a different story or at least you have to believe in other stories possible. Uh, and those stories that about being poor and being on the edge and seeing what happened to people that were on the edge in my world. Although they never really saw it, people just kind of faded away or faded out of sight or disappeared or moved away. I'm not sure you ever actually saw that. People moved in with each other, lived in a Hispanic neighborhood. That was all the poverty story happening around me. Um, Hispanics have a little tighter union with family and they handle that poverty story differently. Not, I think probably more um, more better I was going to say H handled the poverty story um, more as a team um, community than us white people did I'm not sure if this helps you but we all have our stories and I think if, you know, you can see how I have my story and how it's affected me. It might, you know, give you a chance to see your story. Master your story. And that's kind of mastering, you know, some of the big stories. We have the minute-by-minute minute mastery that's required of stories that kind of flare up in the minute, which are often... The stories that flare up on the short haul are, you know, sub-stories on the bigger story. Like me plugging my phone back into the charger this morning. That's a sub-story under the bigger story that, you know, the poverty story that I have. Anyway, this is the Ancient Texan. Hoping you have... Uh, the rest of your Sunday's good, and that you have a good week. Namaste.